from Profit Well Recur. It's Protect the Hustle, B-Side, where Patrick Campbell and Neil Desai share their takes on this week's global developments. This week, the duo discuss Google's Zoom competition, Facebook Shop, Joe Rogan's $100 million Spotify deal, as well as this week's wins and fails. Welcome, everybody. I'm Patrick Campbell here with Neil. Neil, big week. We got some hot big, goss. Big week. We've got some interesting stuff to talk about today. Yeah, do we? Do the kids say hot goss anymore? How old am I? That's what I'm trying to figure out. That feels like maybe like I'm a 1970s dad saying hot goss, trying to be cool. It feels like I, I'm past my prime here. Yeah, I don't think anyone says that, Patrick. Okay, great. Well, this, that's what I'm here for is saying <laughs> things that no one else will say, right? Uh, but first thing up, we got the Google thirsty. Google's so thirsty. Um, I didn't write that. Someone else wrote that. Did you see Google? Like they, they put the, the button, um, you know, inside uh, the, the, the Zoom or the calendar. So like you have a Zoom mm-hmm. calendar link, uh, make it a Zoom meeting. And then Google added like a 50% larger button that says add Google meeting video conferencing. <laughs> um, and this got a bunch of like, you know, hackles and stuff like that on Twitter. I actually don't think this is a big deal. I think like the people who are getting upset with Google competing, it's like, have you heard of GoToMeeting? Have you heard of all these products that have existed forever? Like right. Zoom didn't invent this. I think Zoom has done it the best so far, but it's one of those things that like they're, they're getting upset with Google being like, oh, you're going to use the thing that we created to like distribute your product and make it better. Well, we can do this too. And I wonder how effective this is. What's your take? I couldn't agree more. I think uh, uh, there was a lot of folks on Twitter, right, saying how big of a flex this was. To be honest, I would do the same damn thing if I was Google, right? Uh, yeah. And, and if, if, if you heard about it, don't use Google Calendar. I mean, come on, let's be real. Everyone's on Google Calendar these days, and uh, Google's got to compete just like anyone else. So, you know, I, I don't think it's as big a deal as, as, as some others are making it to, to make it a little bit more prominent on that page. Yeah. It's caused me to rethink Zoom. Like very briefly, like nothing serious. Act- I haven't even actually? emailed our operation. Well, it's like, oh, is this included? Right? Like, like it's like just the, the operator in me who was, it was like, okay, uh, yeah, maybe we should. Right. And I've done that before because with Microsoft office, we all get Skype. Right. But then you use it and it's just not as smooth. And I think that there are some moats here, but I guarantee you there's been some fringes who, who have definitely like gone from, from Google to, um, or from zoom to Google based on this. I don't think it's, I can't imagine it's, you know, an insane amount, but I guess we'll find out at some point, you know, if this is successful because they'll keep doing it. There's probably a, there's probably an hour long conversation to be had about around the UX of all of these, but it's been interesting. I mean, Skype had like a 20 year head start, and and they, yeah. I, I don't know anyone that uses Skype, right? Um, so yeah, it's been interesting. To, and by the way, did you see how Zoom misreported their daily active users like a couple weeks ago? I heard there was some adjustment. What actually happened there? They they I know they overreported, but it was yeah, it was, it was like 300 million daily active users. It turned out to be daily active sessions, right? So if you had three meetings in a day. You'd be counted uh, three times. So I, I, I used yeah. so many times. Did they re-report? How, they, how much they, lower was it? They did. I, I I didn't get a chance to see the revised number, but they did go back and fix the number. So Neil, you can't you can't bring this up if you don't have the revised number. Come on now, that's okay. We'll we'll link it in the show notes below. But <laughs> I can't I can't imagine it was you know ten percent of the original number, or else we really would have heard about it. Totally. I think Zoom, I found, I saw today they're worth more than the top seven airlines right now. Um, Zoom stock is going to go down. I I love Zoom. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not trying to be a naysayer against Zoom, but 
there's going to be a bunch of like other competitors, just very much why, you know, Zoom got into the game, you know, when GoToMeeting was winning um, and some of these other products. I think that um, I actually use GoToMeeting. We use it for a webinar before. I actually really like it. I think it's like very full featured. I think they just, the free plan, you know, that Zoom used just got so pervasive. Yeah, I think it's one of those things to kind of think through is, you know, maybe we should reevaluate what we're using now that we're we're seeing all these other guys out there. I saw a tweet the other day saying how Google Hangouts, a Google Hangouts link is like the equivalent of a green text message um, <laughs> on iPhone. Interesting. Right. Interesting. Uh, it's just like second class in, in the tech world we're in. And the product yeah. isn't as good. Yeah. It's just and it's, you know yeah. what it is? It's not even about the core features. I like Google Hangouts, like from a UX perspective, but the, the reliability is terrible. Yeah. We have instructed our sales team when someone sends you a Google Hangout to tell them, hey, and we blame ourselves. I don't think that's actually us, but we go, oh, like our Wi-Fi for some reason has trouble with Google Hangouts. Let's use this Zoom um, or it was GoToMeeting when you're using GoToMeeting. So I don't know, it's super interesting, but I think what's really funny is, is a lot of people are going after Google to basically say like, oh, you're using your dominance monopoly power in order to basically like attack, a, you know, a competitor essentially. And I want to talk about that a little bit, but also in the context that Facebook today, um, we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, just released Shop, Facebook Shop, which I haven't been able to dig into as much, but basically it's a partnership with Shopify, big commerce, uh, WooCommerce, and, and what's great is they have a bunch of different, um, you know, different partners where you're going to be able to automatically sell stuff through Facebook using one of these providers um, and a whole host of other things. So I thought that was super interesting, and, and it's also kind of like, oh, Facebook is you know making it so you can only use Facebook to do things, and I'd be actually nervous as one of those partners, but you kind of can't not partner up with Facebook on this thing when they're giving it to everyone else. Yeah, you, you can't sit this one out, right? I think in the off chance it takes off, and I mean we've seen this we've seen this recently. D 2 C is surging, right? For those out there who who don't get our D 2 C download, highly recommend you check it out. But but I think you know now is now is the the best time for Facebook to sort of get into this because it sort of captures the momentum a lot of smaller brands have. Yeah, I think Messenger is the thing that more people should think about here because Messenger is where a lot of businesses have used for just communicating with folks either on from their websites or, you know, even through just like their website or their through their conversations, um, almost like text conversations. And I think that's going to be the killer thing that kind of wedges in between, um, you know, some of the competitors where Facebook is going to have a lot of dominant power. Now, what gets interesting is that a lot of people have rumored Amazon's going to come out with a Shopify, you know, competitor. They already have Amazon Pay. They already have a lot of the infrastructure, obviously, from an e-commerce perspective. I don't know. It's really interesting. I think that the core question is, and this is like the topic du jour for like at least the past year, it kind of boiled down a little bit, but I know AOC and I think Elizabeth Warren are trying to get something passed where you can't do any mergers and acquisitions during this time. Do you think these big companies should be broken up? Short answer, absolutely yes. Absolutely the, yes. Your Vermont longer, Bernie broness is coming out right now. The longer absolutely. answer, <laughs> the number of people that are hurting right now, right? Whether it's unemployment, whether it's uh, poor work conditions, whether it's, uh, you know, a number of other ways that large tech companies are limiting competition and sort of influencing our political process in negative ways. Um, I just don't see another option, right? And, and I think we have extremely weak antitrust laws, anti-monopoly laws that are letting some of these uh, tech companies get an insane amount of power. I see you shaking. Do you know the laws? I don't think you know the laws. I'm not like against what you're saying necessarily. I think all of your logic is terrible though. I think all of your logic is coming from a really good place. Mm -hmm. But like like our antitrust laws aren't, aren't like... They're stronger than they were back in the T-Boom Pickens era. Do you remember? Do you know who T-Boom Pickens is? I do not. 
So T Boone Pickens, he he became very kind of popular because he would always do these uh, wind like wind power commercials, um, which mm-hmm. you would like being uh, Vermont Bernie bro. Um, but I think uh, what he did is back in the day he used like the Sherman Antitrust Act um, and some of the other things to be a big corporate raider. So he would like get onto these boards, fire the management team, rehired. He was like, he was, you know, he was the guy who like chopped up companies, right? And now it's really hard to do that for a whole host of reasons. I think my issue with this is that the people who are really intelligently argue this, they go after like the definitions. Cause I think that's, what's really important. Like the people actually, there's some people at DOJ who have started advocating for this publicly. Um, the people who are, are breaking up these companies, they're saying we need a new definition of what a monopoly is. Because right now, this is the biggest, the biggest thing is we conflate uh, market dominance with monopoly. And we think, oh, just because they have market dominance, Google has, you know, crazy percentage of search. Therefore, they're a monopoly. And it's like, no, they're not. They're not doing, at least from, from what we know and from a legal perspective, and they've definitely been looked into, they're not using monopolistic tactics, like, aka getting rid of competitors, um, doing weird things in order to get rid of them. They're using their source and hold on, hold on. I know you're going to Bernie bro me in a second, but they're using, they're using basically the letter of the law. So instead of being like, oh, people are hurting, blah, 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 which I don't really understand how that connects to, hey, we should break up these companies when we need Amazon and Walmart better than ever right now or more than ever right now. I think the argument is, is are we going to change the definition of what a monopoly is and what the damages of market dominance are? Because I'm okay with you saying, we never could have predicted how crazy these companies were going to be and how much control they would have. And then I'd go to like back to, you know, basically like Rockefeller days and be like, yeah, they were bigger, like technically like per capita. But I can take that argument as long as you come at me with, hey, like this market dominance doesn't make a lot of sense because of these impacts. We need to consider these impacts in the definition. But I'll step off my soapbox so you can Bernie bro me and tell me about feelings and things like that. <laughs> No, so it feels like, well, I, I have a question for you then, because I feel like we're having a, you're changing the conversation to one that's arguing about the semantics and definitions of market dominance versus monopoly, but we can't yeah, sit here and say in good laws, faith that, Neil. no, 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 what, what I'm saying is that we can talk, we can, we can have a conversation about definitions. What I'm saying is it is undeniable that the influence that these big tech companies have on a political process, and second, the amount they limit competition is, is orders of magnitude more than, than you than can't, the it's past. not undeniable. It's not undeniable. Like, like this is the thing you can't, you can't say this is undeniable and then be like, they're orders of magnitude pain. Cause like, you could also say like, I, I would pay a monthly fee for Google, a large amount, given the amount of research I do and all these other things. Right. It's, it's one of those things I would like Amazon. It's insane. Like the amount of like cost savings on my life and the amount of improvement. I understand there's pain. Don't get me wrong. And this is what I'm, I'm trying to help you better argue with me. I'm trying to help you basically be like, oh, the thing isn't the heartstrings. The thing is more like, oh, these are the negative impacts and we should change what like the definition of monopoly or what antitrust means based on these impacts, because we're going to change how we prioritize these things. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not saying your heartstrings argument is wrong. I think you're way overgeneralizing it, but I think that that's, that's the thing that needs to be looked into. And, and I would argue that there's a few of these companies that market dominance and the current benefit that they give, even if there are some like negative externalities, doesn't mean they should be broken up. And then there's probably others that if we get a better definition and a better framework of what is harm, um, then they should be broken up. I think for, as a shareholder, as an Amazon shareholder, I would love for them to be broken up. That would be amazing for me. Um, but I think from a, from a you know, kind of 
a legal side, I don't know if the, the law is definitely not on the side of the people who want to break these folks up right now. Yeah. And, and so I, I can see that maybe we need to change definitions around things. And don't get me wrong. Like I, I am an Amazon Prime customer. I no, no, use I Google, right? Like as a consumer, I am benefiting across the board in the services that these tech companies have to offer. Totally. What I'm saying is the, the for me, the influence that they have on, again, the political process, right? And limiting smaller enterprises from competing in the spaces they are, right? A la Amazon uh, and your mom and pop shop down the street. Uh, something is broken there. And and maybe that means we need to change the definition of what a monopoly is. And given that the law was written a long time ago, right? Uh, and and so, so sure. Um, but just because like we've come a long way, that doesn't mean... Right, that, that that doesn't mean it's a good place to be in. Given here's what here's here's where I'm going to stump you a little bit. Sure. Do you feel like people should have free products? What do you mean? Like should free should freemium exist? exist? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, like why? Yeah. Like, here's here's my biggest trouble with like the people arguing to break folks up, and this is why I wanted to have a definitional conversation with you. Mm-hmm. Those people believe that like there's a there's a massive implication on freemium if how some of these folks think about this gets into actual law because they believe that like Google being free is the reason that someone else can't get into the market. And I think that you and I, as like people in tech, we're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make ex- exactly sense. Like there's other reasons what why you mean Google has problems. Because it's like a loss leader? Yeah. Cause it's a loss leader technically. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Now it's, is it a loss leader because of the ads and stuff like that? Absolutely not. That's like the majority of Google's revenue. Right. But this is what Google did in their Google calendar is that technically like problematic with, you know, Zoom as well as, you know, the, those types of things. Well, the way some people are talking about this, yeah, technically that would fall under the law. Technically we wouldn't be able to have a free product under the way some people are talking about this. So I think that's why I, I kind of am like, okay, wait, the harms are undeniable. Like, hold on a second. Let's like get like, what are we, and I know you were kind of soapboxing a bit, but it's like, let's get yeah. to a more calm definition of what are we trying to optimize for? Is it, is there an element of consumer harm that mm-hmm. comes from this, probably not going to be able to quantify it. And that's what our courts are for. But I think it's one of those things that it's going to be a hard time after Amazon, you know, some of these other companies are kind of, you know, even Facebook, they, they kind of already admitted recently, yeah, this is really good for us, you know, in terms <laughs> right. of PR because we're helping so much right now with some of the products sure. that we have. But I don't know. I think I, I get nervous about it too because, you know, competition is really important. And that's why I think we need to change up the definitions just because, um, you know, or, you know, and that's the, the devil's in the details there as well. So next up we have, and this is, this is crazy. We have Joe Rogan who sold his podcast to Spotify for, I believe, a hundred million dollars. Do you listen to Joe Rogan? Uh, I do occasionally, depending on the guests. I have listened to quite a bit of Joe Rogan. How about you? I didn't listen to Joe Rogan except for clips for a long time. And then there was just some point where I was like, oh, like I want to listen to this interview, this full interview. And then they got me on the podcast and now it pops up. And I, I mean, maybe like one out of five, because some of his guests yeah. I'm just not interested in. And the interviews are so long, like two to three mm-hmm. hours long, even at 2x <laughs> pace, which is what I listen to. It's just really hard to like have that much time to listen to a podcast. But the news today, he has signed an exclusive, which I was really shocked about. Yep. He was pulling 30 million a year just in his current business to essentially uh, go exclusive with Spotify. So the video as well as the audio, um, I think there's a grace period maybe to the end of this year, but starting next year, starting at some point in time, you're going to have to go to Spotify to listen to Joe Rogan. What do you think of this? Good move, bad move? What's your take? I think this is a bad move and I might be in the minority here, you know, just based on my Twitter feed right now, but I don't know. I think to your point, a lot of people don't listen to the three hour version of Joe Rogan. 
right? I think a lot of people listen to the shorter clips on YouTube, the shorter clips that get posted on Instagram and other social media feeds. I don't know if people are going to be committed to listen to Joe Rogan on just Spotify. Um, so, I don't know, man, I think you're, I think you're off. I, I think that you wouldn't have the number one podcast in the world without people listening to the podcast, right? And I think that I, I, I do, I do think your point is is valid in terms of like the YouTube videos, the clips. Cause I think there's a lot of consumption there, but I just think that, you know, we don't know, like, I, I think he's been open about the numbers before here. Here's, here's why I think it's a bigger deal. And this is like a really good UX lesson. This is, I think this will be a really good clip for, for folks to kind of listen to. You have basically a, a app bias when you look at some of these products inside your phone, right? So if you think about like Uber or Lyft, right? Like, unless you have a very strong stance with one of these companies, a lot of folks, the majority of folks, they're just worrying about like, how do I get the best ride or the quickest ride to me? So it's one of these things where at least a lot of behavior is I open one of the apps. Oh, it's six minutes. Um, let me call it. Uh, well, let me open the other app, Lyft. Oh, it's three minutes. Great. Let me cancel that Uber. And now I'm inside Lyft and I'm going to use Lyft probably a couple more times until the same thing happens. And, oh, it's eight minutes. Let me go to Uber. Oh, it's six minutes. And then I'm back and forth, right? There's this app bias that ends up happening. And so one thing to kind of think about is mobility as a service. One app where you get all the things, you know, you get your local transportation, you can get Uber or Lyft, you can get even the airport. There's a bunch of things you can do, but anything to do with mobility, you go to with one app, right? And a brilliant move. And I don't think they have open APIs and they would just turn the other person off, but I don't know. Uber's done some shady shit in the past. So maybe they would be okay with this, like somehow getting access or even starting like the kayak where they're just like, okay, whenever you want a ride hail, we're going to put all the ride hailing stuff in there. Yeah. We're going to favor Uber a little bit. Um, or, you know, they could even programmatically always make sure that their price is lowest. But it's one of those things where it's like, all of a sudden, if I have that app, I have the bias to go to that particular app. So if you think about Spotify, I don't listen to Spotify, like for a podcast, I listen to it for music, but I don't listen for a podcast, even though all my podcasts are already there, right? If I wanted to change a behavior and Joe Rogan literally has all the podcast listeners, like his demographics, there's a, probably skews male, but like, He's got a whole host of different users just based on how many people are listening to his podcast. He's already captured the users. So if I'm looking at capturing, let's say it's like millions and millions of users, oh, now I'm going to get for like a couple of bucks a user and then I can like sell them things and then I can change that behavior so that rather than thinking about Apple, which has some problems in terms of the user experience, I'm thinking about Spotify and I'm just going to start listening to all my Spotify, like in all my Spotify podcasts now, all the podcasts I listen to, I'm just going to put them on. I'm just going to listen in that, that realm. And oh, my music's here as well. All of a sudden they've captured not only a ton of net new users, but they've changed the behavior of a bunch of people going through. And that behavior is a really, really hard thing to crack. And they don't have something like Uber and Lyft where, oh, cool. Like I can, you know, I can, I could rely on like having some sort of external, AKA more cars or a better price to get folks in. So I think this is too many people are looking at this as like a net acquisition strategy. They gave the Bill Simmons, I think they bought his you know podcast and network for like a hundred million. Um, they, they, they're looking at it way too much as like a dollars and cents thing and not enough about a like, you know, long-term strategy where they have literally changed the behavior of so many folks. And I think they should, I mean, I think there's a chance they should go buy like, you know, as many of these podcast networks as possible. They should go buy a Wondery. They should go buy, you know, wherever and give them some exclusives so that they can create stuff. That's what they did with Gimlet. But I don't know. That's, that's why I think this is such a huge win. And 
not enough people are thinking about it, that whenever you have a competitor who is, you know, kind of the incumbent or spending a ton of money. Um, so I know that like anyone who has heavy, heavy advertising, now I want to figure out a very slick in where I can basically go, okay, you already, you already paid for all these people. Now I'm going to build an integration with you so I can siphon those users off, right? Especially if you have an open platform. Um, or you already paid for them. I'm going to go get your number one thing and I'm basically going to put them exclusive on my platform. So if I was Apple, I'd be like, oh, damn. And Apple still has giant market share. But this is such a slick move from Spotify. And I think it's one of those things that like, we will look back on this probably in the next two years and be like, that's a slam dunk. That was a slam dunk in terms of what they did. I think you make a good point in, uh, I, I'm the same way, right? I use um, Apple for podcasts and I use Spotify for, for music. And I don't know why, right? Like, to be honest, I just, like, Apple's podcasts are are popular, so I use the podcast app. But I never thought of using Spotify for podcasts um, until now, right? If, if the content is only available there. Uh, and then maybe once I do one, I'll do more. You yeah, know? but if I'm like, hey, I really like Rogan, um, and I'm not like a huge Rogan fan, but I find his stuff entertaining and he gets these like exclusive guests. Like Elon mm -hmm. Musk isn't going on a ton of other podcasts. Um, Naval, like his podcast mm -hmm. with Rogan, that's the one I listened. To. I think that's the one that, that got me the gateway where I finally like grabbed the app. Like I think Even that's Bernie. the thing. Yeah. Bernie was on there. I think he did. I thought he did great. I think, um, you know, some of the other folks, um, you know, you know, Tulsi, Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, controversial, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Like I've never heard him on a podcast until he was on Rogan. Like those are the types of things that I think are really fascinating. And like, it's a content media play mixed with acquisition. And what you kind of heard with Rogan announcing it, nothing's changing. He is not an employee of Spotify. Like he was very like, I'm never going to work for someone ever again. And like, they were like, fine. He's just like, all right. And I don't have to do anything except just keep doing what I'm doing. Fantastic. That was the other thing is you, you really think he has free reign to say whatever the heck he wants. Oh, I'm sure he lawyered the hell out of it. Yeah. Like I'm like, he's, he's like, I'm sure it doesn't work. They, Joe Rogan doesn't it's work. It's a known quantity. <laughs> it's a known quantity, right? Like yeah. the left gets mad at him. The right gets mad at him. He's one of these like zeitgeist guys where like he's, you know, it's a known quantity. Right. And I think that he's never had something overtly problematic, right? He's never like anyone. And it's also interviewing people. So it's like, you know, if, if that person's controversial, he's not sitting there like condoning these things. I know, I know there are people who think that like he should be canceled because of some of the people he's interviewed, but he's one of those guys who's like, you know, probably fits in with Spotify's values a lot too, because he's like, no, I just want to hear what this person has to say. You know, I'm not going to agree with him and I'm not going to say that I, you know, disagree with him if I don't, but yeah, I'm just going to say this. And I think that's what's so powerful about this is that it's such a brilliant move and I'm sure it took a while to get done because mm -hmm. Joe probably was like, oh, I don't believe them. I don't know if they're going to like properly <laughs> right. you know, do X, Y, or Z and you know, so on and so forth. I wonder what this means for other podcasts. Because I mean, we saw this kind of happen with the music at first, right? Like Jay-Z with Tidal, Apple with, I don't know, Drake and Taylor Swift for a while. Um, and then it kind of fizzled. Like there's really no more exclusive music on any platform. Totally. Um, I, I think titles still kind of exist, but I haven't really heard of much of them. So I wonder if we'll first see this like first wave of exclusive podcasts and then we'll, then that'll, that trend will phase out or, or keep up. What, yeah. do, what do you think? Well, I think podcast is a little bit different than, um, cause podcast is about audience, right? Music is, is, 
about spread theoretically, right? Because podcasts, you're doing it every week or every whatever. Um, it just relies on who you talk to or the story you tell. Um, and, and, you know, it's an art form, but so is, you know, so is music. But the difference is, is music, you have these spikes. So it's like all about a launch and then there's this long tail and then you want to squeeze as much out of those songs as possible because they take a lot longer to build, right? So it's hard to keep Taylor Swift or Kanye West off of all of the platforms because the way we listen or use music is so just ubiquitous throughout all these products, right? Podcast, there's like two or three like places you look and there's a long tail. There's a bunch of fragmentation that's happened, but it's one of those things where it's, it's so audience centric that you bring that audience over and then it's just going to get so convenient. And this is why it's so brilliant is they're taking advantage of, oh, all these podcasts are everywhere. So I'm going to exclusive these really big dogs um, and then even some small up and coming dogs. And then the people are going to be here and they'll be like, oh, that other one that's not exclusive, we're going to move it over here. Um, and I think that's that's the balance. I think, um, I can't remember the name of the app. It was the the paywalled podcasting product, Luminary. So Luminary, I think the, the model there is really problematic because it's behind a wall. So it's mm. like, I'm not listening to them and that's not really the value probably there because I don't know if I want to pay for this monthly thing for that one podcast I want to listen to, even if I assume there's a couple of these that I'm going to enjoy as well. So sure. I think that's the big difference. I, th I think one example here that's kind of interesting, um, you know, Ninja, the, uh, the, the gamer, um, I just sounded like 75 years old <laughs> by asking that, but like, you know, Ninja, the big Fortnite gamer. Yeah. So they basically bought him to be exclusive on Mixer. I didn't even know Mixer existed, the Microsoft Twitch, um, Twitch mm -hmm. competitor. Um, and there's some different features with Mixer. That's really, really cool. And what's kind of fascinating is viewership of him dropped 30, I think a third, like 30, 35% after switching over. Wow. But if I'm Microsoft, it's like, I just had two thirds of his base come over. Come so I think on, there's yeah. going to be some people who stop watching or stop listening to Rogan, but I don't think that there's going to be like enough drop off where, you know, oh great. So I had to pay, you know, $2 a user versus, you know, $1.50 per user, like yeah. eh, whatever, you know, like it's, it's, it's that scale. It doesn't really matter. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. You think YouTube is nervous? I think YouTube should be nervous for a lot of reasons. I think YouTube should be nervous about like the whole, how they need to protect their content or look at their content. I think that's the bigger risk for them. I don't know. I think that that's, this is the play that I would use to get different creators, but I don't know if there's someone who's ubiquitous as like Bill Simmons was ubiquitous in sports. Um, Joe Rogan's just ubiquitous in general podcast, like people who are like probably listening to like two to four plus podcasts. They're all, if they're listening to two to four, they're probably listening to Rogan on some level. And that's just, a, I don't have data on that. I just kind of like feel like he's just so ubiquitous, um, amongst a certain demographic. So if that's the case, like I don't really know if YouTube should care because there isn't like one particular person on YouTube right now. It's just a lot of fragmentation with YouTube. Like I'm trying to think you have like Mr. Beast, um, you know, who's a big YouTube creator, but then like, there's a ton of people like who, you know, watch a lot of video. And then based on that, there's just not one person, I guess what I'm trying to ramble through. Um, that might be a strategy though. I mean, yeah. the thing is, is like, it's, it's a P and L problem. So right. 100 million for whatever Joe's numbers are seems really, really smart. We're at, and they, and Spotify already got the data because they already had some viewership and they could probably extrapolate into like where everything else was even. And I'm sure Joe was upfront about it. Whereas like with YouTube, like they could get a bunch of creators to move 
Um, and it could be great. Like that's kind of what Vine, you know, they had a bunch of creators come to them and basically be like, pay us or we're going to move. Vine fell apart for other reasons, but yep. yeah, it's just super interesting. And I know they're trying with their premium version, right, of YouTube. I, I actually pay $15 a month for premium YouTube wow. just so I can uh, just so I can listen to videos after locking my screen. Um, but I do see... I do see um, original content come in here and there. So, you know, maybe maybe that's something to double down on. I don't know. We'll see. I think this is a good playbook for people to think about. It, yeah. it, it's got to apply a little bit differently. I mean, right now we're seeing people buy out competitor contracts. Like if you're challenging an incumbent right now uh, and everyone's kind of rethinking their costs, even, even if they're in a good place, you know, the current environment, like, and they're like, yeah, we love your product, but, you know, we're going to end up, you know, we're on a yearly contract that's got nine months on it cool, we'll give it to you free for nine months, right? That, like that's right. a play that's kind of similar to this. It's not you know exactly congruent, but I think that's the thing you got to think about is like, you know, what's that value and how can you compete in and, and, and what's the actual logic about what you're trying to optimize for? I don't yeah. know if this brings, you know, Joe Rogan a huge benefit, but I don't know if Joe Rogan cares if he loses 30% of his, his, his uh, listenership. I don't think he really yep. cares. Like just given what he's done and, and, you know, that's the sweet spot. So anyways, let's, uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with wins and fails. This is Recur Now, the industry's only outlet for daily news and resources tailored to the B2B SaaS crowd. Equipped with a daily SaaS index that reflects our B2B vertical as it stands today, so you can make more highly informed decisions on market spend, sales forecasting, and growth choices. Plus, a roundup of the day's happenings in the B2B SaaS space, and the actionable resources that will help your company grow. All along Intel from those actually with us in the trenches. Get in on the action at recurnow.com. Or check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. All right. Welcome back, everybody. We got some wins and fails to wrap things up. Neil, win. Who's winning this week? My win for the week is having you agree to do a 24-hour pricing page turn. I didn't agree to this. I'm pretty sure you agreed. I've I've heard from multiple people now. Okay. I don't, for those of you who haven't seen, the team is trying to convince me to do a 24-hour uh, telethon-style pricing page teardown. So literally just 24 hours, a Zoom to end all Zooms. And it's for the I, content, Patrick. This is going to be amazing content. Okay, stop. You, you can't pull at those heartstrings. You can't do it. Um, okay, we'll, we'll see if this happens. I highly doubt. That's the most, that's the most you're going to get is I highly doubt, but we'll see what happens. Um, I'm open to something if someone has a good argument, as you know. Um, my win, and, and I know we talked about it a lot, I just can't emphasize. I think this is such a huge win for Spotify. I, I can't imagine how this goes wrong. I mean, they'll rationalize it if it goes wrong, but I can't imagine like this isn't a win just given the size of, you know, I, I think it's a little undervalued to be honest. I don't know how long the uh, Rogan exclusivity is, but I think it's just such a huge win for them. Um, how about a fail? A fail this week. So honestly, I think we're kind of at a point where everyone's bored of COVID and, and we're just reopening back up, you know? Um, and, and in Massachusetts, I think, I think the folks in charge have laid out a, a relatively good plan. It's been interesting to see like what's opening first. Like I think religious groups and, and certain organizations can open up first. Um, so I, I'm a little nervous um, to see how that goes, but you know, we'll keep a close eye on it and hopefully, hopefully things keep getting better. Um, so 
that's 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 going to be mine for the week. All right, we'll see. My fail is it looks like we are not going to have any events this year. Um, Inbound just announced that they're going virtual. I was really looking forward to Inbound. HubSpot's big conference. It's obviously not a fail on HubSpot's. It's just the nature of everything that's going on. Like I can't imagine, um, you know, planning that large of a conference. Um, and there's some other large conferences that we're planning for the rest of the year that I can't, like, you know, in SAS stock Dublin, um, they went virtual as well. Um, I can't imagine like having this large of a conference, um, and planning with this much uncertainty this close. And I know it doesn't feel close, but when you have like HubSpot's 20, 30,000 people coming to Boston with plane tickets, hotel rooms and stuff like that. And we kind of are going to open up, but we may not know if we're allowed to have those events. Like you don't want to cancel that at the last minute, at least, uh, um, you know, after obviously there was a lot of conferences that were canceled last minute because of the first wave here. So I don't know, that sucks. So it's just kind of a fail for everybody. Um, obviously the conferences can't control that, but that's my fail. So with that, thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, if you have a story you want us to cover, you want something for us to shout out, um, just contact me at Patrick at profitwell.com. We'll be that direct with it. Um, but we'll see you next week and stay safe, everybody. This has been a Recurse Studios production, the fastest growing subscription network out there. If you find use for this show, subscribe for more like it at profitwell.com slash recur.